0: Thanks, Jason. You go ahead and give yourself a raise, okay? <laughs> Jason is the man. You got. If you don't know Jason, he is awesome. He is our new events director uh, for the youth department. And um, it was, if I was to leave the youth department today, I would go down as a success just for hiring Jason uh, because he's that he's that good and he's that amazing. And every weakness I have, he is very strong. And so. Uh, love you, man. Thank you for all that you do. And hey, thank you, veterans. Thank you, veterans. Can we give them another shout? <laughs> veterans Day. Just want to honor you. Thankful for you. Um, if you've got friends that are veterans, shoot them a text if you're not uh, in earshot to let them know how thankful we are for them and their sacrifice. And it's good to be here. I feel like... Um, it's starting to feel, this is, I don't know, this is I think my third time speaking, and I, I don't feel like a guest speaker anymore, right? This feels like, it's starting to feel like home for me, so that's a pretty cool feeling. I love that, and I'm, I'm thankful for that, and uh, excited to be a part of Trinity, not excited about the winter coming and the snow coming, but nevertheless, we know Jesus, so we'll be thankful. Um, I get to talk about talents this morning, and how many of you had thought you had, or maybe potentially had, a talent that just didn't pan out in life. Okay, anybody else? Uh, am I the only one in here? I grew up in the streets of Vermont. By streets, I mean the country. I lived on 14 acres. Um, that's mostly all there is in Vermont. And um, and you know, as a middle school kid, I remember one of my dreams, I really thought this was going to happen, and, and please don't laugh when you hear this, um, I, I wanted to play in the NBA. I heard, okay, I heard a couple, yeah, the dream is still alive, okay, I've not given up, I'm like 33, they're, they're probably still looking for 510, you know, yeah, anyway, so this was my dream, and I remember um, at one of our houses, uh, I, I decided I had to cultivate this talent that I had to play basketball. Now, I should tell you, I never actually played on a basketball team. I mean, this is a, this is a really raw talent. You know, some people are just gifted. And I said, so, so I was like, it's, I'm too good to play on a team. I'm just going to shoot. So I was like, I got to cultivate this talent. So I remember being in my, um, my driveway, and I had, a, I had a hoop, a little plastic hoop, and I would shoot. Now, um, I'm not going to admit this. My wife's not here today because my daughter's home sick. So she, she always tells me that I'm short which I won't admit because I say I'm 5'10". That's, I think, a, an inch above average. So I like to think I'm very tall. But at that time, I was a little challenged in height. So one of the things I did to prepare for the day when I would be in the NBA is I lowered the hoop. <laughs> because I figured, like, well, one day I'll probably be 6'5", maybe 7 feet. I got to learn how to shoot when I'm that tall now when, you know, to be closer to the hoop and also practice my dunking you know, all that stuff. It made a lot of logical sense to me when I was in middle school. So I was like, i gotta, I got to steward this talent. The Lord has clearly given me this talent. i got to steward it. And I remember, so I'd be out there, and I don't know if anybody else can relate to this. I would, I would have these scenarios for hours in my mind, you know, game-winning shot, and I was down there. But, but the hoop was lowered all the way down. So it was like a hoop like here, and I'm practicing jump shots, I'm, I'm spinning around, I'm dunking, I'm pretending people are trying to guard me, and I'm having these elaborate, and all the while I'm convinced, like, man, one day, one day, God has given me this talent, I'm going to be in the NBA. And then one, one particular afternoon, my mom came out. You know, mothers are supposed to uplift your dreams, <laughs> they're supposed to support you, moms are supposed to say, you can do anything you want. Well, I received the truth that day. My mom came out, and I told her about this dream, and she was like, son, you're not going to play in the NBA. And I was like, what? what are you serious there's no way you know but uh, I remember it was so sober it was a crushing of my dreams and in reality it was probably a great thing my mom did for me because she spoke some truth into my life and she's like listen you're a you're a short white kid from Vermont like there's no chance you're not going to be in the NBA you don't even play basketball on a team you know Um, but I remember it was a moment where I thought I had some great talent I thought I was going to be something great and use this talent and it was a, a dose of reality and it got me thinking about that story today because this morning we want to talk about talents. And uh, it's an important thing because the question is what do we do with talents? What How do we use our talents? What responsibility is there? Um, What does God expect of us? What should our heart feel about the talents that we have? Do we even have talents? Some of us may have thought that question in our lives. And so I'm excited. We're going to dive in this morning and we're going to look at this. And I want to look at a text found in the book of Exodus, which seems a little strange when we're talking about talents. But we're going to look at Exodus chapter 35, Verse 30 through 35. and we should have it up on the screen for you. and I'm going to read this. We'll give a little bit of background about what's happening for the nation of Israel. And today we're going to look at three questions that I think are essential for us to ask ourselves in order to be good stewards of our talent. All right? Three questions. Everybody ready? That? No, no. That was weak. Everybody ready. All right, here we go. Three questions. The first one is this: Where does my talent come from? The second one is, what am I doing with my talent? And the third is, why do I use my talent? So where, what, and why? We're gonna look at those three today. And here's my hope, by the end of this sermon, if you're willing to ask yourself these questions honestly, God is gonna do something in our hearts to stir us to use our talents for a more worthwhile purpose. And if there's some of us who have been using our talents or looking at our talents in a way that God has not intended us, that he's gonna steer us in the right direction. And we'll learn by the end why that is important and why it matters. So Exodus 35, starting at verse 30, it says, "'Then Moses said to the Israelites, "'See, the Lord has chosen Bezalel, son of Uri, "'the son of Hur of the tribe of Judah, "'and he has filled him with the Spirit of God, "'with wisdom, with understanding, and with knowledge, "'and with all kinds of skills.'" to make artistic designs for work in gold and silver and bronze, to cut and set stones, to work in wood, and to engage in all kinds of artistic crafts. And he has given both him and Ohliab, son of Ahasemek, I probably said that wrong, but that's okay, of the tribe of Dan, the ability to teach others. He has filled them, listen to this, he has filled them with skill to do all kinds of work as engravers, designers, embroiders in blue and purple and scarlet yarn and fine linen and weavers of all of them, skilled workers, all of them skilled workers and designers. Let's pray. God, thank you this morning that you have given us talents. Thank you that you care about our talents. Thank you that our talents have meaning and purpose. Thank you that you've invited us to be a part of your great plan and story. And so what we do with our lives and what we do with our abilities matters to you. And I pray this morning that you would help us see that truth, that you would move in our hearts to live a more intentional life, to use our talents for your glory. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, before we dive into our questions, it's important to get a little background. So this moment in this text... The nation of Israel is just kind of becoming a nation. If you're if you're not familiar, earlier in the book of Exodus, we see Israel is in slavery for 400 years in Egypt, right? And God chooses Moses, he leads them out, they go through the Red Sea, they see all these miraculous provisions from God, and he leads them to a place called Mount Sinai, which is a big mountain, and at the top of Mount Sinai, they're encamped all around it, they can see the visible presence of God, right? They can see God is there. They've seen multiple times God do supernatural stuff to deliver them. And, and Moses leaves them. He goes up to the mountain. And some of you know this story, but maybe for some of you it's new. He goes up to the mountain. And while he's up there, they, they're confused. They're not really sure who God is or how they should interact with him. And they're trying to figure it out. And in the process, they end up building. They end up using their skills and building a golden calf of which they start to worship. Right, And Moses comes down. He's got the, he's got the tablets of the Ten Commandments. He wastes those tablets by chucking them on the ground, breaks them. He's angry. He makes people eat the calf. It's kind of a weird story, right? And then he goes back up, gets another Ten Commandments. He comes back down. And when he gets back down, this is right before this story, he comes back down and God says something to his people, the nation of Israel. And here's what it says. I'm going to read it for you. It, it, it's Exodus 34, which is right before this story. He says, The Lord said, I am making a covenant with you. Before all your people, I will do wonders never before done in any nation in all the world. That the people you live among will see how awesome is the work that I, the Lord, will do. So he brings Israel down. He comes down. And he goes, Hey, I'm going to make a covenant with you, a promise. And God says, I'm going to do something amazing through you. I'm going to do miraculous signs and wonders. I'm going to bring you together as a people, right? I'm going to create you as a people. And then he shifts on the very last line, and he talks about mission. The people you live among, meaning not the nation of Israel, but the nations surrounding them, right? will see how awesome is the work that I, the Lord, will do for you. So he's going, I'm going to do some cool stuff amongst you. I'm going to make a people out of you, and then the world will see how great I am, they will see how awesome God is. So this is God's covenant with the people. So right after he declares to them, right, here's who you're going to be and here's what I'm going to do and I'm inviting you or here's what I'm going to do to reach the world with the hope that's found in at that time Yahweh who is the one true God. He moves and right after that he commands them to begin to build the tabernacle, which is the place that the presence of God would dwell. This where people would come and encounter God. And this is The background or the context of the scripture that we read, where Moses is now instructing the nation of Israel to participate in the building of this project that God has given them. And so you see in the nation of Israel, people coming with all different skills and all different abilities and all different talents, and they're coming together and they're participating in the mission of God. So it's God's mission to reach the world. He's now invited Israel to use their talents and abilities to participate in the mission. And he lays out some really important things in this text that I think we're gonna examine as we ask these three questions. The first one being this Where does my talent come from? Where does my talent come from? Now, this is an important question because in this room may be people that tend to say, My talent comes from me. Right? I work hard, I've done a lot. But there also may be some in here that go, I don't have any talent. So if you ask me where my talent comes from, I would say nowhere because I am talentless. So this is an incredibly important question. And one of the things that when we answer this question properly, it does, it creates in us two things. Number one, humility. And number two, responsibility. The first one's humility. It creates humility. Why? Because the answer to the question is our talent comes from the Lord. Now, if you're good at anything, and some of you are good at, you're great at certain things, the longer you do it and the better you are and the more time you've put in and the more time you've invested in it and worked hard and practiced, right? The more time you've been a steward of maybe the natural talent or ability that you had and you've turned it into a great talent, the more temptation there is to take ownership of that talent and think that you have that talent because of yourself, especially, have you ever had this happen, where um, you're great at something, and other people are jealous of you, that you're good at something, and you know in your mind how much hard work you put in to be great at that thing, and that if they were willing to put the hard work in, they could probably be great too, right? You ever had that experience? I mean, I think about this with people that are amazing musicians, some on the team, like, man, I wish I could matrix style where they just plug your brain in and download abilities right like that would be awesome what we don't see is these people have been practicing for years and years and years right and when i was watching netflix they were doing chord progressions on their guitar and like they were working hard right so the temptation is when we're great at stuff to go oh man this is all like i am awesome And we can become conceited in our talents and abilities, and it creates a lack of humility. But what's interesting in this text is you notice time and time again, and if you go back and read the whole story on your own, you'll see over and over again, God is the one who is given the credit for the talent. God's given the credit. Now, what does that mean? What it means is it's not to say that we don't work hard in stewarding the abilities that we have, Right? So if you're, some of us are naturally gifted in something, we can be lazy about it and not make it great. It doesn't mean we don't work hard and steward what we have, but what it means is at the end of the day, we should have a sense of humility in our hearts that goes, anything that I'm great at, I'm great at because of him. And here's why. There's two factors I think that play into why you're great at something. One is nature, and one is nurture. Nature is the DNA you have. Right, Some people are just born with greatness in them they have born with natural ability it was like me on the basketball court as a middle school just pure natural ability that's that's a joke you're supposed to That's it's not true um some of us are some people are just born with natural ability they're just great at stuff right and did they didn't do anything to earn that that was that was their dna it's just what they're born with right so there's this aspect of who are your parents right what what how you grow, all that stuff. There's there's a, a biological effect sometimes. There's a a bentness to who all of us are, and it, it gives us a certain abilities that maybe other people don't have. And you don't get credit for that. That's just nature. That's just, you were blessed, right? God blessed you in the gene pool to have giftings in those certain areas. So that's one aspect, which means we can't take credit for a lot of those things. And sometimes it's hard to quantify how much is natural ability and how much have I worked at it. So that's nature, but the second part is nurture, which is the environments that you have been in, right? So who were your parents? Where did you grow up? What schools did you go to? What opportunities were provided for you? All of these things play into our ability to grow and develop and have talents. There are people in the world who don't have time to develop talents or think about things or process stuff or work hard at stuff because they're focused on actually finding a meal to eat that day. Right, so what gives us the ability? And I I remember having this conversation with my own heart at first a few years back, and wrestling and feeling like, yeah, but but there's some things that I've really like I've worked hard at, and there's other people that I know that haven't. And I remember I remember feeling this conviction all of a sudden of like God kind of speaking to my my heart and going, yeah, but where do you think that work ethic came from? Right. Like, why, why do I have a certain sense of work ethic? And some of you have a way higher work ethic than I do. But why do I have even the ability to have? Well, it's, a lot of it is how I was raised, right? The parents that I had. A lot of it is the environment that I was in, which I can't take credit for. I didn't have anything to do with that. All of that stuff is outside of my control. I'm just the benefactor of it. And so if we're not careful, we can take credit for stuff that we should never take credit for. It's stuff that we had no control over, but only the sovereign God sees and is working. Now here's what I also understand. Some of you, some of you were born and, and grew up and have dealt with horrible environments and horrible circumstances. And so what I'm not saying is that every circumstance every person is in is absolutely God's desire. Some of you are born into abuse. Some of you are born into difficult, terrible circumstances. But what I am saying is God's sovereign. And what God does is he redeems every horrible situation to cultivate in us and develop in us things that can be used for his mission and his glory. So some of you, you would not be or have the talents you have today had you not been in those difficult, horrible circumstances, Right, and so, and so God has a way of turning even the worst things in developing into great talents which can be used to help the world and the people around us. So when we think about and answering the question, where does my talent come from? It's essential to recognize I am who I am today because of God. There are so many things outside of my control and he gets the glory and he gets the credit. And when we think that way, it creates in us a humility to say, it's not me, God, it's you. second thing we learn is a responsibility when we ask this question. And this really is simple. If God is the giver of our talent, then that means we have a responsibility to the giver. If we are responsible for our talent, then we can do whatever we want with it. But if God has given it to us and cultivated it in us, then we have a responsibility to him. It creates an, uh, 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 an oneness of our our talents. And for some of us in here, what this also means is for some of you who say, I'm not good at anything. What this actually means is that's not true because God has given all of us talents and God has created the circumstances in our life to help us all be good at certain things. So there's a responsibility to know God has granted you with talents and abilities. It's not that you don't have them, it's that you have not recognized them or you don't see them as valuable in the way that God does. This creates a responsibility amongst all of us to go, all right, God, it's your talent. It's your ability. Help me know where to use it. Help me know how to, how to focus it. Help me even to know what they are. That's where some of us are. So when we ask the question, right, where does my talent come from? It helps create humility, responsibility. The second question is this what am I doing with my talents? What am I doing with my talents? And I think this question is really about taking an assessment of our life, an assessment of our life. And real quick, over the next 10 seconds as I'm talking, think about the talent that you have, maybe the top three or five things that you like to do. You think I'm good at this and ask yourself the question, what do I spend most of my time using that talent for? What do I use it for? as you're thinking about that, honestly, for a lot of us, our talents are used for making money, which is not a bad thing, right? We need money. We need jobs. We use it to make money. We use it for recreation, for our personal enjoyment. We tend to do the things that fulfill us. But if we're honest and we actually really assess our life and say, what am I doing with my talents? That responsibility piece, there's not a whole lot of time spent using it to accomplish the mission of God. Right? We're spending most of our time with our talents thinking about myself and what ac- helps me, and we're not thinking about what helps accomplish the mission of God. And there's two ways that I I've thought about this that I think are helpful, and the first one is God's plan. And the way I phrase this is, how does my talent contribute to bringing heaven to earth? If you remember Jesus, he, uh, in, in the Lord's Prayer, he's teaching the disciples how to pray, right? And he says, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, He says, thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven, right? And what he's saying is the kingdom of God that exists in heaven, his desire, his plan for for creation, God, help us bring that to earth, help us Own the responsibility of making that a reality here on earth, right here and right now. And by the way, if you're a believer in Jesus, if you're part of the church, the big, big C, the big church, you own that responsibility. How do we help bring heaven to earth? How would we help bring God's kingdom into this earthly kingdom so people can see it? And so when we think about our talents, the question is, am I doing that? right? Outside of this building, outside of church, and we'll talk about that in a moment, am I doing that? What am I doing to bring heaven to earth? What am I doing to um, make wrong things right? What am I doing to heal broken things? What am I doing to to make ugly things beautiful? What am I doing to make my community a place that people want to be? What am I doing to help the lives of the people around me, right? Not just talking about teaching Sunday school or singing on the worship team, but looking at all that I do in my job, in my recreation, in in my business, and all that I do and say, how am I actually using my talent to bring heaven to earth? The problem is most of us don't think that way, right? We just go to work and we come back. If we have a business, we're just looking at the bottom line. We don't actually think about how does me being a plumber bring heaven to earth? How does me being an accountant bring heaven to earth? How does it me... Delivering pizzas bring heaven to earth. And I remember, I remember hearing Tim Keller talk about this, and he used a, a great example how every job, every talent has honor and is important. And he talked about the, the woman who, uh, or the man who is a, a maid making almost no money an hour cleaning hotel rooms. And he said, you know, in our culture, that, that job is given almost no honor. That, that ability, and, and if you've ever had your hotel room cleaned, you know that it takes some talent. Right? It's like, how did you fold that bed so fast and make it? I, can't, I can never get my bed looking as nice as it does a hotel. But he talks about how there's talent involved, how, how there's abilities involved, how it matters because people need to be able to stay in hotels to, to commute. And if the hotel is dirty and it's unlivable, then, it's, then people can't stay there, which means they can't do their job. And how everything works together, connects together, everything matters. Every talent, even to the smallest one, is important in helping the community and the culture and society function well, right? Right? So the couple that is going across the country to adopt a child and is going to stay at the hotel, it matters that there's a room for them to stay so that they can adopt that child, to change that child's life. And the person who cleaned that room actually plays a cool part in the whole story. We all play a part, right? So, so what are we doing to bring heaven to earth? And are we thinking about it every day or do we just operate? The second part is this. That, so that's God's plan. And the second part is God's people. You know, as God starts with the nation of Israel, right? And he brings them together and he goes, you're going to be my people, which will reach the world. There's that reality still exists today. The church is the vehicle which Christ has chosen to reach the world with the hope that's found in him. Right? So, so the church, this church, Trinity has a responsibility. If you're a part of this church, we have a responsibility to each other. We have a responsibility to make this church a great church, to make this church an effective church, and part of that responsibility means, how do I use my talents, not just in the world, not just in my everyday life, but how do I use my talents to invest in this place, to make Trinity a beacon of hope in the community, so that people can experience God here, so that people can have their lives changed here, so that community can be better, because Trinity exists, right? How do I do that? And if we're not careful, for many of us, we can come and just consume. We just come and we come and, every, and a few people are serving. And usually with churches, it's, it's 20% of people are, are serving in some way. Everybody else is consuming. And, uh, and, and so what would it look like if everybody who was a part of it came in and, go and said, how, am I, how can I use my talents to contribute to the health and the function of this church? How can I make Trinity an amazing place? There's no lack of opportunity. You know what's cool to be a part of Trinity right now? It's to see what God is doing and how this church is growing. I've had a, I've had a lot of conversations with David over the past f- few months, and I'm like, dude, you guys are going to have to go to two services real soon. Like, You drive into that parking lot, and I'm not blaming my wife for being late, but you know, we come late every now and then. And you, if you get here like five minutes after, after it starts, you're, it's almost hard to find a spot, right? God is doing some cool stuff at Trinity. God is growing this church. Can I tell you, when a church grows, the needs grow, right? Our children's, our children's ministry is blowing up. We have kids all over the place, um, and, and, and the need expands, but oftentimes the pool of people that are offering their gifts to meet that need doesn't. And so the same people end up being stretched. The quality goes down. The ability to love and serve and make this church an amazing place goes down all because we're not asking the question, am I using my gifts for the body? Am I using my gifts for the body? And so here's one way that we can do this. Figure out what you're good at and what you enjoy doing and then ask the leadership what needs are there. Don't just do what you love to do, right? I'm a great singer. I want to sing when the need is not singing. Ask the church what the needs are. Find out what's happening here. How can, I, how can I serve, not be served, how can I serve and use my talents to make Trinity an amazing place, All right? So the first question, where does my talent come from? The second question is, what am I doing with my talents? How am I bringing heaven to earth in God's plan and how am I serving God's people? And lastly, here's the final question. Why do I use my talent? Why? What motivates me to use talent, to use my abilities? This is probably actually the most important question of all. Because we can do a lot of stuff, um, but if we don't know why we're doing it, if we don't know why we're doing it, we're going to miss the mark. In fact, there can be, there may be some in this church, or a lot of people in churches, who are the pinnacle server. They're the person who's at everything. They're serving at everything. They're always using their talents and abilities. They're always there, right? They're and you're looking around. You're like, man, this person makes me look bad. Like I look like the laziest person compared to this, right? Because they're they're just there and they're always willing to serve and at the drop of a hat, right? There could be that person who is using their talents and abilities to serve the church, to serve the world. But if they don't know why they're doing it, the potential is that they could be doing it not at all to accomplish God's mission, which is, remember, the purpose, but in fact to accomplish something for themselves. Their motivation for doing all of this service is really not for Jesus, but is for them. And here's one of the helpful ways, and, and uh, yesterday we were at a conference and a bunch of you guys were there and I shared, I shared uh, this idea of idolatry, and I'm going to share it again today because I think it uh, really applies to This Here's one of the ways that's helpful for us to understand what motivates me and why do I use my talents. And I'm going to share four heart idols, which are kind of foundational idols, and these are things that we could all look to to find value and worth. And so right in this moment, in this text, the nation of Israel, if you remember, is coming together and they've only been around polytheism. They've only been around a world where there's multiple gods and everyone has idols and they worship those gods and they try to get what they want from the gods. And what's interesting is if you study those, the idols and the gods that they worship, they're basically the same stuff we worship now, right? They had gods of fertility, which would help them have lots of kids, And the purpose of that was the more kids you had back then, the more security you had because they turned into many soldiers. The better farming you had, they turned into many workers. So therefore you had more money. There was more cultural prestige. Women that had lots of kids were honored and had prestige. So there was approval and affirmation and all these. So all the stuff that they worshiped and longed for were exactly the same today. And so here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to lay out these four idols and maybe one of them resonates with you. And you can say, actually, if I'm honest with myself, that's kind of the reason why I use my talent a lot. So the first one is power. Power. It's a longing for influence or recognition. If we're not careful, we can look at our talents and we can use them to put ourselves in a position of power. Right? So we look around and we go, man, I'm really good at this. I'm really good at leading people. I want to become the head, um, the head of this department. I want to become the head usher or the head uh, children's ministry worker or the head youth worker or whatever. You fill in the blank, right? I'm going to become the head parking attendant. And the reason why is because when we get in that position, it gives us a sense of authority. It gives us a sense of power and it feels fulfilling to us. It's like, this feels great. And so we serve But the deep motivation is not to fill the need as much as it is to serve ourselves. Because when we're in that position, we get this feeling like, oh, finally I have value and worth. Finally I'm in a position of power, right? So for some of us, that's our heart motivation. We're serving to get power. For others of us, it's security or control. And this is a longing to have everything go according to our plan. So we serve, anybody ever have this? This happens to my wife all the time. I'm like, hey babe, I'll take care of it. And I start doing it. And of course, i do it completely the wrong way. And she's like, you know what, just forget about it. I'll do it, you know? And she has her like whole way of everything being ordered right. And, and I'm like, all right. Secretly, she doesn't know. I did that intentionally. <laughs> right, but there's this longing to have everything in order, and everything in place. And so we could actually serve because we feel like if we're in control of that thing, we can have everything the way that we want it and we'll feel now more secure. All the while, we're serving our idol, not the Lord right? So for security. For others of us, it's comfort. This is a longing for pleasure, or another way to think about it is a, an avoidance of our problems or our pain. And so for some of us, and I've known people over the years in churches where they're at every single event, they're serving in every capacity that they can, and people are praising them, the pastors are praising them, but nobody really knows them. And once you do, what you discover is their home life is a disaster, Their marriage is a mess, and what's happening is they don't want to be around their spouse. They don't want to be in their home environment, and so what do they do? They avoid the pain and the discomfort by serving, by coming and being away, and so that's the comfort. I'm just going to serve because I don't want to deal with this. I don't want to deal with this, and the stuff that God wants us to wrestle through and work through and find healing in, we avoid by serving. It's possible that that may be your idol this morning. And then for, for others of us, and this is mine, uh, we serve the idol of approval. And this is a longing to be accepted or desired, right? And so we, we serve in order to get people to go, you're awesome, you're great, you're amazing. That was, that was so good. And we tend to serve in areas, and this is why, by the way, we tend to serve in areas that we think we're talented in because generally you get more approval with stuff that you're good at. So if you're a terrible singer, and nor should you serve on the worship team, but if you're a terrible singer, you're not going to volunteer to sing solos usually because you may not get a lot of approval in that area, right? So our heart is to serve in places where we get approval. And so we serve, and we serve, and we serve, and we do all this stuff. All the while, deep down, we're going, man, I hope somebody notices. I hope some, somebody says I'm awesome. I hope everybody thinks I'm, I'm really talented or I, I really have this ability, we're going to come to a close here pretty soon, so uh, we can come and someone can come and play something on the keys. Understanding why I use my talent is essential because you could spend your whole life doing stuff seemingly for Jesus, but the whole time it's for you. If we want to, going back to the nation of Israel, if we want to be a part of God's covenant plan his big story, his big plan to rescue and redeem all of creation, right? For God to, to be a part of what God is doing. If we want our talents to really matter and to be a part of something great, we should care more than anything why we do what we do. This should be the first question that we align in our hearts and go, God, help me. Right? Help me. Why am I why am I serving? Why am I doing this stuff? And maybe why am I not? Maybe I'm spending all my time doing other stuff for these same idols and God's calling me to do more here at Trinity or more here at my job or more here in the world. And so understanding this question is essential. And can I tell you here's the solution? When we think about this, how do we deal with heart idols in our life? A heart idol is you believing a lie. You're thinking, I need approval to have value and worth. I need this. That's a lie. You're thinking, I need comfort because I can't face my pain. That's a lie. I need power to feel something, feel value and worth. That's a lie. I need security. That's the only thing that will help me. It's a lie. What's the solution? We have to speak truth. The only way you combat lies in your heart is to speak truth to your heart. And the truth is found in the gospel. For the nation of Israel, the truth was found in the covenant. Right, God's promise to rescue them. That's the gospel. And so this morning when we think about this, here's some things that we can say to our hearts. If your idol's approval, you can remind your heart that we don't need approval because we have it from the one who knows us best and has given everything for us. Jesus knows every detail of your heart and yet still has lavished his love and approval on you in a way that no other person could. So if that's your idol you can remind your heart that who cares what someone thinks or says about you? You have the approval of the creator of the universe. If your idol's power this morning, you can remind your heart that we don't need power because the one who has it all, the one who created everything and made everything and holds it together in his hand, gave it all up for our sake. On the cross, Jesus willingly gave up his power to rescue and redeem us. And in that moment, overcame death He holds the ultimate power. So we don't need to hold some false sense of of power. We don't need it. We can lay it down before him. So if that's your idol, you can speak that truth to your heart. If your idol is security, you can remind your heart of this truth. We don't need security because in Christ we have the ultimate security. That's not just found in this life, but it's found in all of eternity. Jesus has secured your your eternity, all of eternity. He secured it on the cross. So whether or not you have complete control over everything that happens at your job or everything that happens at Trinity or all of your finances or all this stuff, we can release that and say, God, I give it to you. I I don't need it. And lastly, if your idol is comfort, we can remind ourselves of the truth. We don't need comfort because our king gave up ultimate comfort in order to secure our ultimate comfort. Jesus endured on the cross the lack of total comfort. He gave it all up so that we could spend eternity in true comfort. So that means that if he faced the worst of anything, we can face our problems. We can wrestle through our challenges. We can face our difficult marriages and our broken relationships. We can go home and deal with our problems so that we are healthy. We can do it because he's done it first. That's the truth of the gospel. So this morning, if you're here and you're thinking about my talents I want to encourage you to ask yourself those questions. Where does my talent come from? It comes from him. It's his talent. He's given it to you. You're a steward of it. Secondly, what am I doing with my talent? Assess your life. How am I using what God has given me? And can I use it in a better and a more purposeful way? And lastly, why? Why am I using my talent? Man, do I need to adjust my heart? And ask myself if God has a different way. Can I tell you before I pray, here's one of the best indicators of the why question. And this is especially true for a growing church. There are, there are some of you who are gifted in certain ways and you volunteer graciously to serve and use your talents in different capacities. And as a church grows, there are people who may come in that are more talented than you in that area. And how you know whether your heart is serving for you or is serving for the mission is what happens when the area that you serve in and that you love, maybe there's somewhere else that would be better for you to serve. What happens when there's someone who is maybe more proficient or more talented to serve in that area and you have to give it up or you have to lay it down? You know how many people I've seen that are that are asked to do that and go through that process that all of a sudden their response they leave the church they're frustrated they're mad at all the leadership and here's what here's the truth they weren't ever really serving Jesus or serving the church they were serving themselves they held on to it as if it was their thing instead of going this is your thing God how can I serve the mission wherever it means if it means cleaning the bathrooms I'll do that I don't care if I have a PhD I'll clean the bathrooms right so That is one of the great indicators of our hearts. Are we willing to do anything to accomplish his mission? Would you bow your heads with me for a moment? I'd love to pray with you. And as I do, maybe we could assess our our lives and our hearts and ask ourselves, which one of these questions is most resonating with me? Is Is it the question, where does my talent come from? Am I struggling with humility and understanding that my talent is God, is from God? Am I struggling with the recognition that I do have talents. Maybe it's the second question for you. What am I doing with my talents? Maybe the spirit is convicting our hearts this morning and your heart and saying, there's more you can do. There's more you can do to bring heaven to earth. There's more you can do to serve Trinity. Or maybe for you, it's that third question. Why am I serving? Why do I use my talent? And the Lord's convicting you that so much of your reasoning for why you serve him is in order to worship some of the idols in our hearts. Lord, as we look at our hearts this morning, every person in this room, myself included, help us to be willing to ask these questions. Help us to be reminded that our talent's from you. Help us to be reminded that you desire us to use it to bring heaven to earth in the world that we live. And you desire to use it here to make Trinity a great church so we can reach more people and accomplish your mission. And Lord, help us to be reminded that we need to constantly check our hearts and say, why am I serving? Why am I using my talents? Because if it's not for you, God, it's a waste. Help me to do it for you and you alone. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.